We're going to be starting a new series, Meet Me at the Cross. And uh, those of us in the sanctuary can see that course on the platform. If you paid attention during worship, there was parts of it that was being shown. We're going to hang out there for a little while for the next few weeks, leading all the way up to Easter. So today is the first part in that series that we're going to be talking through. So I am looking forward to what God is going to say. So let me pray, and then um, we're going to go to God's Word. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we stand to say, Thus saith the Lord, I am praying that you would open our hearts to hear. Felix empty himself. He, Felix moves out of the way. Felix has nothing to say, God. But I want you to speak through me to your people so we can hear more of what you have in store for us, God. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we give you glory, God, because it's about you. So as we worship you, as we go to your word, speak through me to your people, God. Teach us how to be different, how to just receive what you have done for us on that cross of Calvary, God. So we owe it all to you. And for that, we thank you. It is in Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen and amen. I want to begin by reading a passage of scripture from the book of Galatians. Um, and this is going to be, I'm calling it my theme scripture. Um, uh, I'm not sure how we're going to get to this text, but this text is just resonating all over me. When I read it, it just jumped out at me. And so it's in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. And uh, I want to read that to you, then we're going to go into the message this morning. Verse 14 kind of says it this way. It's kind of in the form of the first quote. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And it kind of reads it one, one more time. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Let me share some thoughts with you um, as we go into this message. Theologically, that word cross that we're talking about was used as a summary description for the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It speaks to the salvation that we have attained from Christ. Uh, it, the fact that he died, that Christ died for our sins and that he rose from the dead. The preaching of the gospel is what I'm going to refer to as the word of the cross. In other words, the preaching of Christ crucified. When you look at the apostle, the apostles glory in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they speak of suffering persecution for the cross of Christ himself. Clearly, when you hear the word cross, I want you to get this in your spirit. It stands for the whole glad announcements of the redemption through which we receive the atoning death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when you hear me say, meet me at the cross, don't simply just look at the cross figure, but I want you to see the sum total of all the salvific work that Jesus did for us, amen, that led him to die on that place. And we're going to talk about that um, for a while as we kind of go through this. The cross is also the word for reconciliation. This theme emerges clearly to the epistles of the Ephesians and Colossians. It is through the cross that Christ reconciled Jews and Gentiles alike. He, he got rid of the middle and he brought us all together in the cross. It is by the blood of his cross that God has made peace 
in reconciling all things to himself. I wish you all would get this. Had he not died, come on, we wouldn't be at peace with God. But because of his death, we have access. Because of his death, he brings us back into relationship with him. And what I love about what happened on the cross is that it has personal implication and cosmic implications, meaning that I can receive the benefit now, but then when I, at the consummation of the earth, I get to go be with him. Come on, y'all, that's good news. That is good news right there. The cross in the New Testament is a symbol, though, also of shame and humiliation, as well as God's wisdom and glory revealed through it. When you, if you were in Rome at the time of the crucifixions, here what we would find out that the cross was the instrument of torture and of execution, but it was also shamefully reserved right, for the worst of the lowest. So here's what that means. Jesus left the greatest place in heaven and came to earth and died the lowest form of death for you and I. To Jews, the scripture says, um, it was a sign of being a curse. And, but this, is, this was the path that he took for you and the path that he took for me. Listen to what these scriptures says. Hebrews 12 says this this way. He endured the cross, despising its shame. Philippians 2 and 8 mention the lowest wrong in the ladder of our Lord's humiliation was that he endured even death on a cross. Based on 1 Corinthians and Galatians, the cross was a stumbling block. I mentioned this to Jews. And this shameful spectacle was of a victim carrying here. As a matter of fact, if you were to, let me say that differently. If you were to check scripture, you would find when referring to you and I as followers of Christ, Jesus said it this way, if anyone will come after me, here's what he said, we must be willing to do what? Take up our cross and do what? Follow him. So here's what that means. Being a disciple, just like Christ had to carry that cross, you and I have a cross to carry. Come on, I want y'all to hear me say that. We have a cross to carry this, this, uh, in, in this earth. Further, the cross is a symbol of also union with Christ, meaning that if he died on the cross, I also must die on a cross of sword to have unity with him. My old man was crucified on the cross so that I can live. Your old person was crucified on the cross so that you could live. Come on, y'all. Isn't that good news? That, that who I was yesterday, I don't have to be that person today because it's been nailed to the cross. I wish I had an amen in here. Come on. So don't let nobody hold you hostage to what you used to do yesterday. Don't let them hold you hostage to who you were in yesterday. You might need to keep a cross in your pocket that whenever they say, I knew you when, you just go like that. Amen. And it's not that you're saying they're vampires. You're saying it was nailed. Yeah, come on, to the cross. It was nailed to the cross. And that is good news. Listen, listen to some quotes. I want to share three quotes with you, then we're going to dive into the Word. The first one is by John Stott, right? He is an English theologian. Here's what Mr. Stott wrote. The Christian community is a community of the cross, for it had been brought into being by the cross. 
And the focus of its worship is the lamb once slain, now glorified. So the community of the cross is a community of celebration. Now you know why we worship. A Eucharistic community, um, ceaselessly offering to God through Christ the sacrifice of our praise and our thanksgiving. The Christian life, he says, is an unending festival, and thus the festival we keep now that our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us is a joyful celebration of his sacrifice together with a spiritual fasting or feasting upon it. I just love that statement. Listen to this other one by Mr. Jerry Bridges. Here's what he says, and I quote, If we want proof of God's love for us, then we must look first at the cross where God offered up his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Come on, that's an amen right there. It says, Calvary is one of the objective, absolute, irrefutable proof that God loves me. Now, now I may question your love for me because I, I may not have proof. You might have just given me a gift, a rose, or this, that, and the other. But if I want to check God's love for me, I look to the cross because on the cross... He died. I wish I had somebody in here. Listen to this last quote. Only in the cross of Christ will we receive power when we are powerless. Will we find strength when we are weak? Will we experience hope when our situation is hopeless? Only in the cross is there peace for our troubled hearts. I, I just love that. I just love that. Let's, let's, let's dig deeper into this concept of the cross because as we spend time over the next few weeks, uh, today I want to begin with the need for the cross, right? But I want to share three things with you this morning as we kind of walk through this because somebody may be asking this morning, what is it that precipitated the need for the cross? And let me just go here. You might be asking it this way. What really happened that caused this cross thing to come about such that we find ourselves now looking or thanking God for the cross? For us to really appreciate that, we're going to have to begin in the book of Romans chapter 12. Um, and I want you all to go there with me. We're going to talk about that. Grab your Bibles and open and go with me to um, Romans chapter 5. I'm sorry. Romans chapter 5. And I'm going to look specifically at verses 12 uh, through 14, and we're going to talk about that, then I'll be going to some other passages this morning as we talk about the need for the cross. Now, here's the first thing I want to share. I want to share three things, but the first one I want you to understand is this, that the depravity of humans mandate the need for the cross. Now, let me, let me flesh that out. I'm going to share three things, but the first one I want you to get is this, that the depravity of humankind mandates the need for the cross. Now, you might be wondering, what does the word deprave or the word depravity mean? Here's what that means. We're messed up. Let me, let me speak. We're jacked up, right? And, and because we're so messed up, it mandates the need for the cross, right? Because we are a mess, because here's how Psalms 51 and 5, David said it this way. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and he said what? In sin did my mother conceive me. So, so, so that word depraved simply means that we are in a state where our default mode is not God first. Okay? 
Let's talk to that. Our default mode is not God first. And so by default of that, God had to bring this cross into perspective to give us a second chance. Now, for you to really appreciate what I'm about to read in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, um, go back with me in your mind to the book of Genesis uh, chapter 2, right? And, 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 and I just want you all to go there. Let me just lay some foundation before I, I exposit Romans chapter 12. Here is what happens in Genesis chapter 2. We all know the story quite well. God created Adam and Eve. In the beginning, it says in Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, void. And you know that story quite well. Here's where I want to get in Genesis. In the second chapter, it says God created man and woman. And then it begins by saying this, that God planted a garden in chapter 2 around verse 16 in the east of Eden. Then the Bible says this, and there he placed the man in the garden to dress it and to eat it. Now listen to me carefully. I want you all to hear this because this is going to be very, very helpful as we go through this teaching this morning. The first law was given. I need to say that. The first law was given. Here was the law. You are free, Adam, to eat of anything in the garden... But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that is in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat it, for the day you eat of it, you will surely die. We all know that, right? So that's the first law that was given. Let me make a long story short. Let me jump over to chapter 3. Um, God gave, gave Adam a wife. He blesses them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Then we all know in chapter 3, the tempter now comes into the garden, and the tempter tempts the woman, and the woman gives into the temptation of the tempter. I'm saying this this way for a reason. She gives it to her husband. He partake. And by virtue of the fact that he partook of the fruit, listen to this, sin entered the world. I want to say that. I want to say that a unique way again because this is the heart of what I want you all to get by way of what I'm trying to teach you this morning. God placed them in the garden. God issued the law in 2 and 16 and says, don't eat from the tree that's in the garden. In chapter 3, the tempter shows up. The tempter tempts the woman. They partake of the fruit. And it was not until, listen to this, it was not until the man and the woman partake of the fruit that sin entered the world. I want you to hear me say that, okay? Get this into your spirit. Because we're talking about we need the cross because of the depravity of the individual. So now go to Romans chapter 5. Go to Romans 5. And look with me specifically at verse 12. This then is going to give us some framework and some perspective of what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to try to move through this because I want to lay a foundation of one thing that I want us to get to where God would have us to go. Now, before we read this, those of you in the sanctuary, just repeat after me. Say, self, I am depraved, and I need Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Come on one more time. Say, self, I am depraved, and I need Jesus. The reason I didn't have you say neighbor, because you'd point to them like they're a sinner and you're not. But we all are. Come on, are you with me? Now, notice what it says in Romans 5 and 12. Here's what it says. Therefore... Paul writing to the church at Rome, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so that death spread through all men, all humankind, because it says what? All have sinned. Look at verse 13. 
For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is no more committed where there is no law. That's a very, very important text. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was, who, those whose sinning was not like the transgression of, of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Let's hang out at verse 12. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through who? One man, and death through what? Sin. So death spread to all because all have sinned. I'm trying to tell you this morning that when I got a revolution, a revelation of what Paul was saying to the church uh, at, at Rome and the theology behind what was being taught here, it literally revolutionized my life my concept of sin, and it put things into perspective. I find it interesting that verse 13 says, for sin indeed was not in the world before the law was given, right? And it says, yet uh, where there is no law, there is no sin, right? Uh, because here's the thing, when we think of the law, here is what you and I think. We think of, of, of Deuteronomy, we think of Leviticus, we think of Numbers, we think of the Ten Commandments, we think of all the law that was, was given, and we sometimes mistakenly believe that sin begins there when we disobey the law. And, and we define sin this way, sin is disobedience to the law. But, but don't miss at what I hinted at in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. God issued the first law. And here's what he says, of every tree you may eat, but the one that's in the middle of the garden, he says, you may not touch it, for in the day you, you may not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So here's the thing that I want you all to understand when we look at Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 12, right? Is that death originated, death and sin, listen to me, death and sin originated in the world or in the human race because, I'm going to say it this way, of the choice that Adam and Eve made. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing. Whether we like to accept the truth or not, you and I are all descendants of, a, of Adam. And because he introduced sin into the world, I'm going to say it that way based on Romans 5 and 12, my default state as a descendant is sinner. Your default state, I know you don't want to hear this this morning, but we're going to get to the cross, right? My default state, your default state, our default state is sinner because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden. In that, what did they do? They disobeyed a direct command from God. Don't miss this, right? God said, thou shalt not, and they made the, their choice on their own to disobey what God said. So, so because of their disobedience, here's the point, here's the second point, sin now becomes universal. It becomes universal 
in humankind. This is very, very important that, that you not miss what I'm saying. It becomes universal in humankind. So David in Psalm 51, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Here's your default state. The moment we enter the earth realm, our default mode is sinner. You kind of get it, right? You don't have to teach people how to sin they sin by default, right? So very, very important that we need. Let me, let me just read that again. It says, therefore, just as sin, in like fashion, I like that phrase, just as. Sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, so death passed it upon all. And listen to the scripture, for all have sin. Now, here's what was striking to me. For many, many, many years in my Christian journey, I had this concept that sin came into the world when Satan entered the world. That was my framework. Now, I know this is going to be new for a lot of you, and it may mess you up. But when I read Romans 12, I mean Romans 5 and 12, here's what it says. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all, because all have sinned. This is where I want to hang out this morning to get us to the need for the cross in the morning. So here's what we've got to understand that happened in Genesis chapter 3. I want to go to Genesis chapter 3 and what we're teaching you this morning. Satan coming into the world was not the root cause of sin in the world. Now, I know y'all ain't never heard that before because we always want somebody to blame for our sin. I'm going to slow down for a little while. We want to point the finger. Excuse me. And, and I need you to hear me say this morning, listen to this. Paul did not say, therefore, because Satan came into the world, sin entered the world. He did not say that. Let me help you out. The whole time, Adam and Eve was in the garden fellowshipping with God. Satan was already in the world. Yet and still, the world was still perfect. Oh, I'll need somebody in here. It was so perfect that God would come down from heaven and he would walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, yet Satan was still in the world. Y'all not hearing me this morning. The world was so perfect. It was sinless. Come on. Adam and Eve was there. The garden was producing fruit. Come on. The soil was bearing water. All of this was happening, but Satan was already here. And the world was, listen to this, sinless. So why in the heck do I want to blame him? for my sin when Adam and Eve proved that I can live sinless with him here. Genesis. Y'all go there real quick. Y'all need to see this. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. You there? Genesis chapter 3. I hope I make it. I'm going to hurry up. I want to get this. I want to get this through. It says here, verse 3, verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast in the field and the Lord God, that the Lord God had made. So he said to the woman, did God actually say to you, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of any tree 
That's in the garden. But the Lord, but, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit. I'm in verse 3. Of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Stop there. They're talking and nobody sinned. There's no sin yet. You guys are seeing this? But look at it. Verse, but verse 4 says, but the serpent said to women, you shall not surely die. Um, for God knows, verse 5, when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Look at verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a light to the eyes and that the tree was, be, was to be desired to make one wise, she did what? She took the fruit. Come on. That thing says the devil held her hand and walked her over to the tree. And raised her hand and put the fruit in her hand and guided her hand to her mouth. Now, let me paint a picture. That booger was still sitting up in the branch, slithering, talking, doing his thing. <laughs> and he talking to her over here. And watch this. And she of her own free will left where she was. Went over to the tree, looked at it, and then she said, I want that. And then she took it. Then she, hey, Adam. Well, the text says, if you read it, Adam was with her. So let me do it differently. They both walked over there. They looked at it. They saw it. They took it. She took the bite. She gave it to him, and they both ate. Then, listen to this, sin entered the world. Whole time, booger man sitting over here. Wow, they did it. They disobeyed God. They about to feel what I felt. Is this making sense? I need to point that out because we're going to get to the cross in a little while. That's very, very important because here's the thing. And here's the other part I want to say real quick. Lock into this. This is very, very important. Then I'm getting, I know we've got to wrap this, but this is important. When sin entered the world, listen to this. Sin did not enter the world as we know entering the world. Listen to this. Sin entered humankind. So when I got a revelation of this, here's what this said to me. Well, the world isn't sinful, people are. Because here's what we like to do. You listening to sinful music. You watching sinful this. You're going to sinful places. No, no, no. The music isn't sinful. The place isn't sinful. The things aren't sinful. Humans make it sinful. Because when, when sin entered the world, sin didn't enter the chair. Sin didn't enter the bird. Sin didn't enter the lion. Come on, talk to me. Sin didn't enter the music. Humans made the thing sinful because of our disobedience to God. This is paramount. This is paramount what I'm about to share to you. It's very, very important that we not miss that because we have this concept of thinking we're living in a sinful world. No, no, no. You got a bunch of sinners messing the world up. 
Here's how Romans 8 and 22 says it. The whole creation is groaning in eager anticipation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed or to realize who they are. So the world is waiting for Christians, to, for believers and for humans to stop sinning so the world can be right. I don't know that we get that. I don't know we get that. I don't know we get that. I'm still on point one. I want y'all to get it. Very, very important, okay? So, so let me say this, this second thing. Number one, number one was this, right? The pravity of humans mandates the cross. So because I sin, it creates the need for the cross. Here's the second thing. My depravity is not an excuse to continue to sin. You kind of get what I'm saying? Okay. Y'all go to James. I got a few minutes. I just want to hit this real quick. Go to James. Let me show you this. I'm going to say this, and if I got to pick it up next week, I'll go ahead and do this because I think this is rich. James chapter 1. Listen to this. James chapter 1, verse 13. Here's what he says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he tempts no one. Look at verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Let me, let me explain this this way. I'm going to go to the third thing that we're going to wrap this up. God created me in his image. That means I have desires. Let's go back to Genesis. She saw the fruit, and here was the temptation. Hey, you know that desire to have all knowledge that's in you? If you partake of that tree, it'll be realized. And what did she do? She partook of her own volition, right? So here's what happens. Hey, you know that sexual desire that's in you? I know how you can meet that. And then here's what we do. We listen, we go look, and then we eat. Food is not bad, right? Come on, y'all. But you know that desire that we have for hunger? We go look at it. Potato chips. <laughs> Lays. <laughs> and then we partake, right? Nothing wrong with the desire, but when we fulfill the desire in an illegitimate way that God did not intend is when we sin and when we blow it. So here's the deal. When it comes to sin, I cannot blame anybody for my sin but myself. Why? Because I'm the one who listened to the tempter and went and did what I shouldn't have done. I can't blame him because him talking to me, we saw in Genesis chapter 2, is not sin. Oh, oh, this is what we do. Who the devil's talking to me, I don't need to listen. No, 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 just don't do it. He can talk all day long. He going to talk all day long. Right? You'll never be able to shut him out. Turn the TV on, he's there. Turn the radio on, he's there. Drive down the street, he's driving next to you. What's up, my brother? You know, come on. Wherever you find yourself, he's there. We must be disciplined enough not to do what the temptation is because it is when we do that we allow sin to enter the world. 
Does this make sense, right? And so I love, I love, I love, I love the Word of God so much because here's the third thing. The cross of Christ, because God knows all of us, I almost said some of us, all of us every now and then are going to listen to him. He sent the cross. And here's what the cross does. Let me read this. Y'all go, to, go back to Romans. Go back to Romans. Let me read this real quick, and then we're going to wrap it up. Romans 5. I want you to see this. Uh, and jump down to verse 18, right? Here's what it says. Romans 5 and 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all, one, for all men, so one act of righteousness lead to justification and life for all men. So, Adam, one person took a bite on the cross, on the, on the tree, and we're all sinners. Listen to the cross. One person died, and we're all made righteous. Come on, isn't that rich? You got to get the theology. One person sinned, messed us all up. One person died to make us all right. Come on, this, you kind of get what I'm saying? At the cross, at the cross, you kind of get what I'm saying? I owe it all to what? To you? Where the blood, come on, does this make sense? You kind of get what I'm saying? Because where one man messed up, one person came to make it right. So if you want to know why the cross exists, the cross exists because I've got a bad habit of listening to the doggone tempter and I have a bad habit of fulfilling my human desires and I have a bad habit of blowing it and God says because you keep blowing up, because you can't get it right, because you can't keep yourself right, because you can't get it straight, I'm going to send my son to die on the cross. So listen, when you mess up, all you've got to do is look to the hills for where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker and heaven of the earth. Yeah, I'm going to mess up. But I got a cross in my back pocket to tell me I can make it. So when I say meet me at the cross, you can act holy and righteous all you want. I'm going to hang out right here. Meet me at the cross. You kind of get what I'm saying? When I say meet me at the cross, I know what happened at this cross. I know who died on that cross. I know whose sin was on that cross. I know who paid the price for my sin at the cross. So when I say meet me at the cross, I'm saying had I not messed up, he would not have had to send it. Well, let me get off me, because y'all know I'm a mess. Had you not messed up, wherever you find yourself at home, he would not have had to send it. So all the, the old hymnist, now you get it, down at the cross, where my Savior died, down where from cleansing sin I cried, death to my heart. Was the blood applied? Glory to his name. The other hymnist picked it up at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart. He said, What? 
Roll, y'all come on, y'all know that, y'all know that. It was there I received my sight, and now I am happy for the cross for all the day, but for the cross, but for the cross. So here's what I want to say to you this morning as we start this meet me at the cross. Hey, y'all, let's start making better choices. Boogeyman's going to talk to you. You don't have to do nothing. If you do it, it's not because he made you. It's because you wanted to. And if you did because you wanted to, you got to answer to God for the choice you make. Individual responsibility. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we celebrate you at the cross this morning. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you did and for who you are and for how you're moving in our midst, Lord. We thank you for forgiveness of sin at the cross. We thank you for paying the price for sins at the cross, Lord. Thank you for sending your son to die on that cross. Your Bible says it this way, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Let me stop perpetuating sin in the world, God, by making better choices. Change my mind. Change my thought process. Change everything about me so I can be more like you. So forgive me for blowing it. Forgive me for messing it up, Lord. And God, if there's one out there that haven't said yes to you, bring them to a relationship with you, God. Draw them closer. Draw them closer. Draw them closer. In your name.